well, well, well. Episode 15 of the Bad Buddhism Podcast with your host, Anthony Boyd. So this is going to be a great episode. It's going to be a great episode. I initially wanted to just talk about the doppelganger, which I'm going to posit is the physical incarnation of the shadow, the shadow archetype. I just wanted to talk about that initially, but I was on Instagram and I saw one of my old classmates put up in his Instagram story a question asking, do people change? So I'm going to answer that question and I'm also going to talk about the physical incarnation of the shadow. Very, very interesting stuff. The doppelganger is typically a mythical creature, a non-biological entity that presents itself to people and it's typically a harbinger of bad luck if you see your doppelganger it's not necessarily a good thing it could mean your impending death it can mean some type of transformation is about to happen in your life and not a good one and many people refer to doppelgangers as just simply somebody's twin right it's also referred to as our twin stranger right so we're going to get into that in the latter part of this episode but the first the first thing we're going to address is the question do people change now i don't really have any updates for you guys it's just straightforward we're just going to go it's going to go straight at it we're just going to go straight at it we're just going to we're just going to get into it because as i'm sitting here figuring out how i want to approach this there's so many different angles i can approach this from so many different angles i can approach this from so we're gonna we're gonna start with the we're gonna start with the concept of or the context within the context of dating do people change within the context of dating or relationships spousal spousal relationships marriage whatever the case may be my answer is no People do not change at all whatsoever. The only thing that does change, and mind you, that was on a, that's on a deep level. People do not change on a deep level. The only thing that does change are people's motivations. Whatever their motivations are dictates their behavior, their personality, but their character and who they essentially are remains forever. Now, I'm not really too sure if their characters dictates their motivations or not, because some people, some people are a mixture of many different influences in their lives. It could be their parents telling them to become a doctor when they actually want to become a lawyer. And then they embody this idea of becoming a doctor and their motivation is to become a doctor and become a successful doctor. And that's what they go after and that's what they become, right? It could have nothing to do with their character or maybe their character will be, maybe they'll be better suited as a lawyer. Maybe they'll be more inclined to be a, a lawyer, right? A better, a better professional as a lawyer, but their motivation at the moment is to be a doctor. Their motivation is to please mommy and daddy. If their motivation switches and it's to please who they deeply are through self-awareness, through their character, which is to be a lawyer, 
defense attorney, tax lawyer, whatever the case may be, then that's the direction that they're moving, right? So that's a basic take on if people um, change or not via motivations or how people behave by way of motivations. Now, we're going to go deeper into this. And in order to go deeper into this, I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to answer, begin to answer this question with a question. Why are you asking that question? Why do you ask if people change? Is this some sort of selfish is this some sort of selfish motivation of your own to get people to do what you want them to do? Why are you trying to control people? Why are you asking if they change? Because typically when somebody asks that question, they want to control somebody. Are they not fitting into some sort of mold or idea of who you think that they should be? Because I've been there before where I typically don't fit into the mold of what people think I should be. And I end up butting heads with a lot of people because people think I should be this. People think I should be that because I speak this way, because I behave that way. I should do this. Even even with negative stereotypes about black men or men in general, right? I don't fit or check all of the boxes that many individuals think I should check. And the minute I don't check those boxes, it collides with their perspective of who I present myself to be on the outside or how I present myself to be on the outside, which is probably no fault of my own because a lot of it is subconscious, unconscious presentation, right? But that's where personal development and self-awareness comes in to focus, right? So I got to ask you, why do you want to know if people change? Why does that matter to you? And how does that affect you? Why does that matter? And this is a question for all of you, men and women. Why do you care if people change or not? Why can't you just focus on yourself? That is... That is the million dollar question. So many people are worried about changing other people or worried about if other people change, but they themselves don't have their own shit together. I know I don't. I don't have my shit together. Got a long way to go. And I'm trying to think, do I care if people change or not? No, not really. Because guess what? Here's my advice. And I know you didn't ask me for my advice, but here's my advice. You need to fucking do you. Do you. People do not change and people will never change, especially on your timing. They, they're not going to change. That's the reality of it. And if that is something that's kind of harsh, the sooner you accept it, the better you'll feel. The sooner you accept that, the more successful you'll become. You become successful real fast when you stop when you stop caring about what other people are choosing or you stop caring about a certain mold that somebody is supposed to fit an idea in your mind that they're supposed to fit. Let go of those expectations of people. It's not going to do you any good at all whatsoever. 
if this is in a relationship context, then you need to forget about it. They're not going to change at all. Women, stop trying to change men. They're not going to change. Maybe I can change him. A lot of women have this thing where they find a guy and they kind of like think of him as their little project. This cracks me up. They think of him as their little project that they, that they can fix up. It could be, I don't know, a guy who's not really the relationship type. And he'll tell you this in many different ways. He's not a relationship type. But you think to the back of your head, maybe I can change that. Maybe I can control him. Because that's all you're doing when you're trying to change somebody, you're trying to control them. Who says that they need to change because you're in a relationship with them? Here's the thing. People do not have to change in order for you to be in a relationship with them. You can love them while they evolve, while they change, while they don't change or whatever. You're supposed to love people for who they are. Or it would be nice if you love people for who they are. It would be even nicer if you love yourself for who you are and then you won't worry about if other people change or not. That has nothing to do with you at all whatsoever. Nothing. Men. Women are not going to change. There's a lot of butthurt dudes out there that want women to conform to some sort of idea that they have in their minds. It doesn't work that way. You accept people for who they are. And if you have a special little individual that you're interested in, you take in as much data about them as possible in regards to who they are, what they like, their interests, their morals, their values, Whatever, whatever information that you can take in from Jump Street, internalize all of that and figure out if that person is for you or not. Simple as that. Don't try to. And people, I think people, people end up asking this question because they're in a scarcity mind frame. They meet somebody that they like. They're not perfect. They they go, OK, well, instead of throwing this fish back because I may not catch another one that actually fits my mold, I'm going to try to mold them to train them or change them into something that I want them to be. See, it's different if they present themselves as something initially and then they change into something different after a while when you really, really get to know them. That's different. That can get the best of anyone. And even so, it's still your fault for, for <laughs> it's, it, at the end of the day, it's still your fucking fault for letting them be a chameleon, like let them, letting them bamboozle you. Because people are chameleons. People switch depending on the situations that they're in and all of that stuff. So there's that, right? Do people change? No, no, man, they don't change. They don't change at all. You know, you catch you catch one and, and you're in a scarcity mind frame and you don't want to throw it back. You say, no, you know, what? I'm going to I'm going to see if I can change them a little bit. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. And I think a majority of the social media people that are complaining that men are trash, that that bitches ain't shit and all this stuff it, are people who are delusional enough to think that some people are supposed to fit a mold in their mind 
They don't. But there is, I'll tell you something, there is someone for you. There is someone for you. There is someone that will, I don't think, I want to be optimistic enough to say that there's a person that will fit your every your every desire or your 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 exact list your itemized list you may not be attracted to them though or they may end up being someone that you just can't get along with i've been through that before i had a girl who was exactly everything i ever wanted or so it seemed and then we just couldn't fucking get along for nothing just could not get along it was just this it's this weird paranormal thing where it just it just was not going to work ever right so it may seem like everybody or you might meet somebody and they they're they're ex- they present exactly who you think they are or think think that you wanted everything that you ever wanted and then it turns out to be a fucking nightmare so no the only thing though that changes are people's motivations and here's here's a little fun thing a little fun trick right because now we're going to get a little bit machiavellian right if you don't know what machiavellian is or machiavellian psychology it's the psychology of manipulation because this is what you're really here for you're really here to find out if people change right and how you can change them right you want to know how you can change them find out what their motivations are Find out what they want. Offer it to, to them in a not so transactional way and you'll get them to change. You'll get them to behave how you want them to behave. But you got to be careful what you wish for because now they're not doing it because they want to or they're not doing it because they're being authentic. Now they're doing it because you're hanging a carrot over their head. Now they're doing it because you're giving them something. Right? If you got money. And if that's what they want, offer them money. Figure out what it is they want and offer it to them. But it got to be an exchange for them behaving in the way that you want. If you're superficial and narcissistic enough, which you might be because you're asking the question if people change and you're and you're and you're asking that question because you want to manipulate somebody. You're asking that question because you have expectations of somebody because I think only narcissistic people or people that are typically spoiled or think the world should revolve around them ask these type of questions because they want to manipulate people deep down inside they want to manipulate people but they're not they're not admitting it and this is what this podcast is about I'm always going to some way somehow address the undercurrents of the human psyche that a lot of people do not want to admit you ask if people change I'm going to assume that you want to manipulate people. So I'm going to tell you how. You want to manipulate people. You want to get people to change. First and foremost, you got to get them to like you. Maybe they don't like you. Maybe there's something about you that they don't like. But they might be sticking around because they might expect you to change. See, now it's a two-way street. And this is not for the person that posted the question on Instagram in general. Uh, in, in specific, this is for people in general. Do people change? Nah, man. Nah, they don't. They don't change. This is why there's this psychology of manipulation. This is why there's all sort of marketing tactics to get people to do things. Or 
the smart marketers in, in, in this day and age just know how to align with people who when figure out who wants their product and they just align with that. And that's probably how you should do it. But a lot of people have, like I said, the scarcity mindset. They don't have the wherewithal to just go out and figure out who has what they want and get it from them. So back to this manipulation thing. So you want to manipulate people into changing, figure out what their motivations are and work on their motivations. And I guarantee you that they will change. They will do whatever you want if you can figure out what their motivations are and how you're going to give it to them. Simple as that. Now, if you have no interest in manipulating anybody at all, if that's truly who you are and what you are, here's my advice. Do you. Stop caring about what other people um, of what other people are doing. Stop caring about if the other people, the other person is going to change or not. You're better off if you're in a relationship and they're, they're, they're not changing. Then they're not a good fit for you. Leave leave it's as simple as that just leave them you don't need to be with them just leave do you they're clearly doing them if you've given them chances over and over again quote-unquote chances to change and they don't change at that point they're taking advantage of you they're taking advantage of you who's a sucker now you and you're asking if they will change Leave. It's simple as that. Go do you. If it's a romantic relationship, break up with them. If it's a friendship, stop talking to them. Ghost them. Just disappear. Simple as that. If people don't have what you want, which is really why you're asking if people change, then you just just breeze. Get out of there. There's what, 7.6 billion people on this earth? And you're free to travel wherever you want to travel. You can meet as many people as you want to meet. Stop living in a scarcity mindset. There are people out there who have what you want. One person out of 7.6 billion people, they're not going to change. Go and do you. That's it. So, no, people do not change. It doesn't matter if you love them. And that's another word that I kind of like have. I take issue with when used in a certain way. I love you. Hmm. When someone says that in this day and age to another person, it has this type of selfish connotation that sort of aligns with somebody loving an inanimate object. Like, oh, I love my car. Or, oh, I love my place. Oh, I love that woman. Or I love that man. As if they're your possession or your mind. You see it in marriage all the time. Now I pronounce you man and wife like is this objectification of people that is a huge issue and it's why you're asking do people change? Hmm. You cannot objectify people. Say you love them and then be confused as to why you're not getting what you want or your relationship is not working the way that you want it to work. It's because you have been misguided from jump street. You got to love yourself first. 
you got to love yourself enough to not even care if a person changes or not because you love them for who they are because you love yourself for who you are see when you love yourself for who you are you project that outwards and you love people for who they are and you could grow old with a person that changes whether they change or not you grow old with a person that changes you know they go through their phases right it's like seeing a child grow up go through the terrible twos go through the teenage phase go through the young adulthood phase the adulthood phase of maturation and then later on down the line they get all the way to generativity where they're you know in a whole different world a whole different a whole different person when you love somebody you understand that everybody goes through these stages of psychosocial development i believe that's erickson's psychology bring it into psychology that's i believe that's erickson's um erickson's eric erickson's um theory of psychosocial development where people develop in stages <clears throat> pardon me i'm still getting over this cold i feel so i feel so congested oh she probably sounds terrible on the mic which is why i'm trying not to <clears throat> ramble on too too much just trying to you know give you guys some insight into people you see when you understand people when you get people you're never going to be disappointed that's the beauty about psychology the beauty of human nature and understanding the depths of human nature find out really find out what makes people tick and you will be happy because you understand you'll get it it's this inexplicable feeling where you gain this sense of detachment of human of the human condition or how people operate like i'm at the point in my life where someone does something like fucked up towards me or people say things about me and i hear a lot of things that people say about me but i just ignore it because things always i know it's crazy i know a lot of people i know a lot of people and although I may not hang with a lot of people, like I have a small circle and all that stuff, it's crazy how things get back to me, right? It, I don't know. I just mad people just fucks with me. Weird. I might have a tooting my own horn like that. But the point is that I hear certain things, things come back to me, and then it's just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because hmm. every anything anybody else have to say about me or do to me do towards me it has more to do with them than it does me and having that sense of understanding is very peaceful it's a good place to be in that's what i want to try to get everybody else to be in get into that good place where people could do some fucked up shit and you just uh you just shrug it off and go okay i understand why you did that because they're insecure with themselves they don't love themselves they grew up in a bad type of familiar environment and they're only acting out because they have some childhood trauma that they need to work through. Boom. That's it. And it has nothing to do with you. When you can get to that point, it's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful spot. And then you go, you go about yourself and you do you. No, I, I'm not perfect. I do get angry sometimes. Go, okay, why would that person fucking do that? But then after five minutes, I go, oh, you know what? I ask myself that question. Why does that person do that? When you really and truly ask yourself why people do the things that they do, 
then you stop asking yourself questions such as, do people change? People do not change. People are who they are. Get to know who people are from Jump Street, and you will never have to ask that that question if people change. Like, I met, I met so many throughout my dating time. Like, I met so many women that I just go, okay, cool. I know how to sift through them and go, okay, well, uh, no, that's a red flag. Uh, this, that's a red and then you know what it does? It does both of us. I even had women that did the same thing for me. They go, oh, okay, boom. You know what? We're not going to work out because you have this viewpoint of the world and it's never going to change and blah, 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 blah. And then it just doesn't work. We end up being friends and that's it. Or when somebody does some shady shit, when somebody speaks in a way that's just like unbecoming, I just go, okay, this is what's going on in that person's life. And yikes that has nothing to do with me it's all it's all about realizing that what the other person has going on within them has nothing to do with you so worrying about if they change or not no do people change no (laughs) for the millionth time no people do not change and so that's all i got to say about that one man i could keep on going about this topic People just don't change. One of the things I can advise you to do if you're in the dating realm, any relationship, but specifically dating, because a lot of people care about finding love, finding love. Right. Um, I would say. If you are digging somebody, right, the best thing you could do is invite them into your world. Right. Have a lot going on in your world, so much so that when you're planning a date out, you plan a date for yourself. You know, you want to go out to eat, you ask them to tag along with you and it turns into a date. And then, of course, you fucking pay. Don't be cheap, you fucking bastards. Don't be cheap. You know what I'm saying? You don't you don't you don't invite somebody somewhere and not pay for them. That's so fucking corny and tacky. I don't know why people do that. But <laughs> what you want to do is you invite them into your world. You invite them into your world and see who they are in your world, in your frame of mind. Cuz the problem is that when you ask the question, do people change? You have shifted into their frame of mind where you have no business you have no business in. You do not belong in somebody else's frame of mind when you're when you're asking if they'll change. You're like you have no business there. I know it sounds contradictory because it's like people who ask, "Oh, does this person change?" Oh, and I say, "Oh, no, the person does not change," and or people does not change. People do not change. You're asking that question because you want everything to revolve around you. Yeah, it's the it's the same thing. Like you wouldn't want to enter in somebody's frame of mind. And then try to get them out of that frame of mind to where you you can't get to your world from where they're currently at. You can't do that, if that makes sense. It's just not going to work. You have to stay grounded and rooted in your state of mind, in your frame of mind. Invite them into your frame of mind and see if they belong there and see how long they can hang. And you don't have to worry about them changing. And if they leave, they leave. One thing about me is that I've never cared if someone walked out of my life. I really do not care. I don't care because I'm rooted in my frame of mind. 
people could come in and out of my life and I would not give a fuck because I already understand that people are fickle. People's motivations change. They don't necessarily change. If somebody's attracted to you for whatever, it's a reason why they're attracted to you, right? You can find out what that reason is if you want, but there's a reason why they're attracted to you. Some type of condition, some type of motivation, some type, some type of, you know, you know, some type of reason they're there. They're there to extract something from you, right? And with that knowledge in mind, you don't take it personally if you stop providing whatever it is that they want and then they go about their business one day. When you can get to that point where you don't care if someone comes and goes, you don't care if they change or not. It's a beautiful place. And all you have to do is understand human nature. People are selfish. People are not doing something or they're not going to behave in such a way to benefit you. They're going to do it to benefit themselves, no matter what anybody tells you. It's a tricky, it's a tricky, tricky thing. People will say, yo, I'm doing this for you. Uh, I don't really know. Maybe. Maybe. But people do things for other people because it could be as simple as it makes them feel good. But I don't think people have a sense of duty anymore in the sense that I said duty. That shit cracks me up. I'm such a kid. <laughs> people don't have a sense of duty because um, duty is sort of like you're just you're doing it because it is your duty to do it. It's your role to do it. People don't do People don't have that anymore. People are very selfish nowadays. We live in a very egocentric time with everybody with millions and thousands of followers and they get all big headed and egotistical and all that stuff. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. No, people do not change. It's a little heavy handed on that topic. Very passionate about that one. People do not change. So, yeah, there's your answer. I can go deeper into it. I'll go deeper into it, into it in another podcast. I told you how to get people to change, find out their motivations, find out what they like, find out what they want, offer it to them, see if they'll adjust their behavior and there you go you're off to the races that's it but just understand that you just know that they're not acting like that because they want to right it's, it's like you go to a strip club if any of you've been to a strip club before them girls are not feeling you or dancing on you because they like you it may seem like that but it's because they know you got money you got they know you got money in your pockets you know so yeah it is what it is it is what it is so yeah there's that so we're gonna move on to the next segment and we're gonna talk about the doppelganger which is whew, the doppelganger that's a cool it's a cool name first and foremost but we're gonna get into that in a second this segment we're going to talk about the doppelganger specifically in my interpretation which is the doppelganger being 
the physical incarnation of the shadow so just a little review what is the shadow the shadow is everything that we have repressed everything that we don't like about ourselves everything that does not fit into our society everything that doesn't fit into our cultural background things that we typically just repress it could be childhood trauma it could be some of our preferences our interests it could be our sexualities um, some people have repressed sexualities that they don't want society to know about um, with all um, with all good reason, because we still, for the most part, live in a uh, pretty much bigoted society. You know, everybody got a, a fucking opinion on everything, on something. It could be you could have maybe um, political affiliations that you don't want people to know that you have certain things that you just pretty much tuck away in the attic or the basement of your psyche the deep dark recesses of your psyche Ooh, ooh, sounds so sounds so brooding and deep so profound but it is though but it is because our shadow the thing with our shadow is that if we don't address it it can manifest itself in many different ways. It could be, it could be shadow behaviors such as addiction. It could be uh, abuse. You could be abusing people because you don't love yourself. You can abuse other. You could bu abuse yourself in place of other people because you know you just straight up don't like yourself. You don't like something about yourself. Oh, here's another one: a shit ton of plastic surgery that has. Nothing really to do with, you know, maybe an aesthetic look you want to go for just for its shits and giggles. But because somebody told you in your childhood that maybe, you know, you, I don't know, you, you have a weird face or something like that. And you end up getting all sorts of Botox and all sorts of surgery to fix a problem that's not really there. Right. So the shadow can manifest itself in many different ways, one of which and this is i want to put this out there in this podcast we're going to be exploring imagination we're going to be talking about the twilight zone a lot i like i like the twilight zone the 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 show um it's a very uh i love that show I grew up watching it and i'm actually going to explore an episode i'm going to explore season one episode 21 mirror image on this this particular episode um but um yeah we're going to explore imagination and my interpretation of the doppelganger is going to be twofold there's going to be one for the pragmatists that say oh there's a reasonable explanation as to why somebody can see their doppelganger okay cool whatever but we're going to really be heavy-handed on the mythical or the esoteric the abstract and the woo part or definition or description depiction illustration of the doppelganger i'm so excited <laughs> so the doppelganger right i'm going to read piece of my article because i wrote a nice little article about it right gonna give you a little depiction i'm gonna tell you a little story first and foremost so i'm gonna read I'm, I'm gonna you know what i'm gonna start from the beginning right so i wrote the article you could check it out on badbuddhism.com of the doppelganger if this is something that you want to really look into, right? It's called Doppelganger. 
the physical incarnation of the shadow. Ricardo just finished up the night shift. He's exhausted. He's waiting for his train when he looks across the platform to see a man staring at him. He can't really make out his face as he's leaning against a pillar in a shadow. Ricardo tries to look away, but he can feel the man's glaring stare pierce his periphery. A sudden wave of fear overwhelms him. Hairs stand up on the back of his neck and his body suddenly becomes riddled with goosebumps. The brisk fall air tickles his exposed ears as the train careens into the station. Relief. He can finally sit down, shake the willies off, and relax for a bit. Ricardo looks up from his lap, having felt the familiar, eerie presence not ten minutes ago back at the station. What Ricardo sees suddenly sends him into a fit of panic and consequently cardiac arrest. We're going to explore what it is Ricardo saw that made him suddenly succumb to heart failure, an experience fraught with fear so overwhelming he never made it home that night. Ooh, so we have in that little introduction a guy who just got off of work, did the night shift, right? Still a little bit dark outside, right? And he suddenly sees some man staring at him from across the platform gets on the train and all of a sudden you know he just feels weird you know you ever feel weird you ever feel just a sudden shock of fear or just a sudden feeling of fear just come over you yeah well he felt that and he looks up and what he saw was something unimaginable and it sent him into shock heart failure he died right so what what is the doppelganger? What does doppelganger even stand for? So literally, doppelganger is the German word literally translating to double goer. It is a non-biological entity, twin, lookalike, or double of a living person. So a doppelganger is this paranormal entity that you see when, I don't know, I don't, I don't know when you'll see it. I would say, and I want to get at, don't want to get ahead of myself because I still want to kind of like breeze through the article a little bit. You see this doppelganger when your shadow wants to overtake you. There's something that you haven't addressed for a very long time. You have a lot of repressed memories. You got a lot of shit going on in your subconscious mind that you haven't addressed. And it's some severe stuff, severe stuff. And you end up seeing this doppelganger outside of yourself and it wants some action you know you're not giving it the acknowledgement that it needs it wants or it deserves so it decides to fucking take over your life kill you and take over your life right some people depict it as some sort of apparition or as a ghost you know but the things with the thing with ghosts is that i think a ghost is more so something from another being that was once living the doppelganger is from you it's from you so it's a physical manifestation of everything evil or hidden not necessarily evil but something hidden about yourself that you that you haven't wanted you didn't want to address that's why it's called the twin stranger because it's hidden within you you don't really you repressed it you kind of forget about it and you just really just go oh lock it away but it comes back to bite you in the ass or kill you right so we're going to continue reading my article. 
The doppelganger is often depicted as a paranormal phenomena, phenomenon that symbolizes bad luck for the person who sees the doppelganger. The doppelganger is also referred to as simply one person who looks like another person. See, people, some people just say, yo, that's your doppelganger. No, like sometimes, I, and I'm not really too sure if other people can see your doppelganger. That's the part of it I didn't explore. I might have to explore that and come back in another episode. Um, of of uh, another episode exploring the the uh, perception of of the doppelganger whether other people could see it or not right but people try to like say oh the doppelganger is just another name for twin or they try to refer to it as if it's just another it's just a twin but no so I continue reading. It says, this is okay. I have my own interpretation as to what the doppelganger represents and why it presents itself as such. We will visit, we, which we will visit in the latter part of this article. For this reason, we are going to refer to the many of the literary and fiction, fictional contexts that depicts the doppelganger as the twin stranger. So we have a little bit of history, mythical history of the doppelganger. So the doppelganger exist in a lot of different literary devices and um i will look them up right now i only named one of them in my article because <clears throat> because i didn't want to make the article too fucking long initially this article i was gonna transform it into a strip a script a script and make a video essay about the doppelganger but i think that I might be going in another direction when it comes to video essays. I'm just going to, I'm going to buy a camera and start sort of like vlogging or doing like these, these videos of me talking about these type of subjects because I feel like when I do the video essays, they constrict my communication style. I'm more of a candid type of communicator, although I can, I'm versatile and I got the range to, create video essays and sort of like quasi documentary type things about topics that I like academic topics that I like or give it an academic feel. I think that I'll have more room if I just point the camera to set the camera up, point it at me and talk to you guys straight from there. So I think I'll be doing that along with maybe recording a little bits and pieces of the podcast because the camera I'm getting if you guys have any good suggestions for cameras, I already have a friend that told me I need to get a camcorder. But if you guys have any suggestions of good cameras that I can use to record up to an hour, an hour and a half, then let me know. But, um, yeah, the history of the doppelganger, right? I'm always getting sidetracked. Why you guys never tell me I'm always getting sidetracked? Jeez. The history of the doppelganger in we got mythology, right? So I'm going to read this shit straight from Wikipedia. Mm, let me see. English speakers have only recently applied this German word to a paranormal concept. Francis Gross's Provincial Glossary of 1787 used the term fetch instead. Hmm, interesting. Defined as the apparition of a person living. Catherine Crow's book on paranormal phenomena, The Night Side of Nature, 1848, helped make the German word well known. However, the concept of alter egos and double spirits have appeared in the folklore myths 
religious concepts and traditions of many cultures throughout human history. Oh, a little word on alter ego. So I'm going to tell you a little secret to creating an online presence for people that are shy. Because, again, I know a lot of people that have a lot of value to offer that they want to offer value, but they're hiding behind their screen. Create an alter ego. My alter ego is Anthony Boyd. Anthony Boyd is not my real name. Those of you who know me know what my real name is, but Anthony Boyd is not my real name. Give you a hint, though. Anthony is the middle. Anthony Boyd is a combination of my middle name and the block that I grew up on as a child, my childhood neighborhood. Right. So I combined the two to create an online persona with a that has a message. So. Alter egos, even though I'm presenting alter egos or doppelganger or whatever the case may be in a way that's sort of paranormal or sort of. I don't want to say evil, but sort of evil, for lack of a better term at the moment, you can create an alter ego, not just a a pen name, because we have writers that have aliases and pen names that and they write behind their pen name, what have you. But I think it's important for people who are sort of introverted like myself to, to create an alter ego that they can hide behind or embody, not necessarily hide behind, but embody and and inject their message and what they want to present without compromising too much of their private life because i'm a private person so that's just a little word on alter ego that's my little secret if you want to if you want to create an online presence an online image that provides value or what have you right so the next the next uh, literary device or literary concept context is in ancient Egyptian mythology. So in ancient Egyptian mythology, a Ka was a tangible spirit having the same memories and feelings as a person to whom the counterpart belongs. The Greek, the Greek princess presents an Egyptian view. The Greek princess is a, is a, is a book or some type of work. The Greek princess presents an Egyptian view of the Trojan War in which a Ka of Helen misleads Paris, helping to stop the war. So those are mythologies. Examples in real life. Oh, here we go. Real life stuff. This is real life, though. This ain't saying no, you know, woo stuff, no foolery shit. Right. Isaac Walton claimed that the English metaphysical poet John Donne saw his wife's doppelganger in 17 in 1617 in Paris on the same night as the stillbirth of their daughter. Ooh, wow. See, <clears throat> excuse me. That answers my question as to whether we can see another person's doppelganger or not. That shit must be scary. Ugh. German playwright, forgive, forgive me for the, the, the pronunciation, Goethe, Goethe described an experience in his autobiography, Die Chung und I don't know how to spell, um, say that word, say that title, in which he and his double passed one another on horseback. Whoa. With the advent of social media, there have been several reported cases of people finding their twin stranger online, a modern term for doppelganger, twinstrangers.net, 
is a website where users can upload a photo of themselves and facial recognition software attempts to match them with another user of like appearance. The site reports that it has found numerous living doppelgangers, including three living doppelgangers of its founder, Neam, G- yo, you know I'm about to explore that. Neam Gianni. Oh, so yo, go check that out. Twinstrangers.net. Yo, I need to start doing these podcasts live so that you guys could just start looking these type of things. I'm going to have to start doing these live because these could this could be fun. All right. Examples in literature. In addition to describing the doppelganger double as a counterpart to the self, Percy Bichelli's drama Prometheus Unbound makes reference to Zoroaster's meeting his own image walking in the garden. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we got Lord byron uses doppelganger imagery to explore the duality of human nature okay so we're not going to go all the way into all of this stuff so we know the history of doppelgangers by this point right i got way too involved in that wikipedia article i love reading on wikipedia so yeah so okay now and we know that a more recent because i was going to bring this up before but i'm going to make it a little bit shorter more recent depiction of the doppelgangers in the twilight zone series episode mirror image which is season one episode 21 if you want to check it out so it's basically about a girl named millicent barnes who's waiting at a bus station in marathon new york on her way to like a new job opportunity or something she looks at the clock and realizes the bus is late she goes up to the ticket agent or the ticket booth and asks what time the buses bus will arrive the ticket agent says to her Yo, this is the third time you came up here asking about what time the bus is going to get here. And she denies ever having come up there or denies that that happened. Then she notices that her bag is behind him in the pile of bags for, you know, when when they put it on the bus or whatever for the cargo. And she turns around and she doesn't see her bag. She's like, yo, that's my bag over there. And he, he was like, yeah, like you brought it up here. Right. So she thinks she bugging now. She goes into the bathroom and she like washes her face off to kind of like calm down. And then, you know, when she's done, she's about to, you know, go out and she opens the door. She looks at the mirror and the door is open, opening simultaneously. And she sees an exact copy in addition to her own reflection in the mirror, giving me the creeps in the mirror, sitting at the bench that she was sitting at. Right. So she ends up meeting this man named Paul, tells him her situation and says, listen, I got this doppelganger, yada, 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 boom, boom, boom. And Paul is the pragmatist. He's the pragmatist. And for you pragmatists out there listening to this that say, oh, yeah, there might be a a reasonable explanation for seeing your doppelganger. I got I got something for you. Don't worry. Paul basically says that somebody's playing a trick on her or what have you. Right. No, at this point, he doesn't say there's a reasonable explanation. He basically just tells her that, yo, somebody can be playing a joke on you with the lookalike, which seems plausible, maybe, right? When the bus arrives and they're about to board, they're about to go outside. They're going outside. They're about to board. She looks through the window of the bus and sees her doppelganger sitting in her seat. She passes out, wakes up on the bench inside the bus station where, where Paul is, um, helping her come to and she says she's babbling on about paranormal 
um, dimensions and all sorts of stuff. And she said that this doppelganger wants to take over her life and yada, yada, yada. And he said, there's a reasonable explanation. There got to be a reasonable explanation for this. So she's in this sort of catatonic stupor. She's in shock still. And he says, look, I'll call a friend in Tuli, see if he'll bring his car, right? And he can drive us to Syracuse. But he goes over to the ticket agent instead and calls the police, asks the ticket agent if he could call the police, use the phone to call the police. Calls the police, the police comes and takes her away. Bummer. Super whack, right? And for some reason, I remember an alternate ending to this. I remember her being in the back of the police car. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. But I remember her being in the back of the police car and somehow calling ahead. But that's impossible because this was filmed in like 1950s, in the 1950s. So there's no way you could call from the back of a police car in the 1950s. But anyhow, I remember, and this is going to bring me to a top, another topic called the Mandela Effect. That's going to be fun. But I remember the alternate ending where she's calling somehow from the back of the police car. Or maybe the police radioed into the station and asked somebody to call ahead, call a sister or family member ahead or something like that. And her doppelganger picks up the fucking phone and says that she's Millicent Barnes. I got to find that episode because I'm starting to think I'm bugging right now. Either that or I excuse me, either that or I'm remembering an alternate reality, which is the Mandela effect. That's another episode. But anyway, the police comes, takes away Millicent and, and Paul now. He goes to go get a drink of water he puts his bag down goes to get a drink of water looks up his bag is gone then he turns around and sees an exact copy of himself racing out of the station door and he goes and he chases after him the doppelganger his doppelganger he sees his doppelganger now gives him his doppelganger gives him an evil look and basically just keeps on going and that's how I guess that's how the story ends. But I do remember it ending differently than that for some reason. And I think I'm going through I'm having a the the effects of the Mandela effect on me right now, which is so weird. I don't know why I'm remembering a different ending. But anyway. In the article, I asked this question. So where does the doppelganger come from? We addressed this already. We said that the doppelganger is basically a physical incarnation of the shadow, the manifestation of the shadow, physical manifestation of the shadow, right? All repressed desires, memories, aspects, behaviors that are not suitable for society, specific cultures, certain groups, etc. Childhood trauma, all this stuff. And it hits this sort of threshold where the person sort of projects the shadow out into a physical entity, a physical copy of themselves. And this, the the, the purpose of this is so that the shadow can take over their life and live their life how they're supposed to be living it or living their life in a way that they once rejected so, for example, if you got a person who wants to be sexually liberated and their 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 maybe their sexual orientation is under scrutiny or what have you, they may have this 
suppressed shadow entity that exists within them that wants to come out, right? And at some threshold, some event happens or something. We notice that Millicent, she have she has some new job opportunity, and that's around the time when her doppelganger appears, appears, right? So it could be that. It could be something as simple as some type of stressful event where the shadow wants to take their life in a different direction and say, no, this is not the direction we're supposed to be going in. I don't want to go in this direction. And it sort of just springs forth out of the the host. And what you have is this paranormal, non-biological entity that's taking over the host's life, kills them off and lives life as the sexually liberated person or the artistic being that they always wanted to be but was repressed when they were children or at whatever point right that's the woo esoteric version of what the doppelganger is excuse me so now for the people that are the pragmatists we're going to enter into some abnormal psychology so abnormal psychology is the study of mental basically mental disorders and all sorts of uh, mental illnesses and things of that nature right we can say that the doppelganger is one of few things the doppelganger can simply just be a schizophrenic uh, break a schizophrenic schizophrenic break or uh, psychotic break right A, a type of psychosis that leads to all sorts of delusions and hallucinations which you can easily explain away the doppelganger right then and there if you are constantly hallucinating or seeing some other being some being outside of you that could be explained away with schizophrenia right because one of the symptoms of schizophrenia is hallucinations right you can see delusions you could be deluded all sorts of stuff or or another viable explanation is that it could be a personality disorder. It could be as simple as a power, uh, uh, personality disorder where the shadow just takes over, sort of like the Joker, which we spoke about in other episodes. This, this, this shadow side, this personality is formed. The alter ego is formed and takes over the, the host. Right. We saw how the Joker hit this threshold and boom, put the face mask, the the face paint on and became the Joker permanently. Could be the same thing with the doppelganger. It could be this hallucination of a projection when it's really just all going on in this person's mind. The person dies, quote unquote. But. The shadow takes over. The shadow side takes over. The doppelganger takes over. And that's the personality that comes to the surface. And now that's the personality that's in charge. Simple as that. That is the explanation. That's the pragmatic explanation of what the doppelganger may or may not be. Like we saw in the. We saw in the examples in real life, Isaac Walton claimed that English metaphysical poet John Daw saw his wife's doppelganger in 1617 in Paris on the the same night as the stillbirth of their daughter. So 
<clears throat> that's a very stressful situation. He could have just been hallucinating that whole thing. Right. Maybe we can go more in depth in that. Maybe I can find a more in-depth analysis of that or a more in-depth story of that. But all we have for now is that that was a very stressful situation that could have brought about uh, psychosis or a psychotic break, schizophrenia. A lot of schizof schizophrenia cases, well, many of them, to my knowledge, are typically brought on by stressful periods of people's lives. And it's usually between the ages of, I think it's mid-20s or early mid-20s, when there's a lot of stressful things going on in life. And it's easy. It's easy to understand. It's easy to explain away the doppelganger when you look at it in the context of a mental disorder such as schizophrenia, because it's hallucinations. You're hearing things. You're seeing things. You're feeling things. Paranoia. Feeling like you're gonna die. You're being told to do things and all this stuff. So, it could be that. But one thing we can agree on, and this is where I'm gonna end it. One thing we can agree on. It is the two worlds of the conscious and the unconscious mind touching one another, right? You got the, the conscious ego side and then you got the unconscious, uh, unconscious dark side with all of the repressed memories and everything coming together, meeting, touching one another. That's what could be meant by what Millicent meant by a paranormal entity coming from another dimension. Yeah, the other dimension could be your fucking unconscious mind that you repress so many things that when it touches your conscious waking mind, you start to see and start to project all of these shadow, these shadow entities outside of yourself, such as the doppelganger, right? Two worlds touching one another, two dimensions touching one another, right? So that's pretty much that. That was that was. It was exciting. I enjoyed talking about that one. That one was real fun to explore. I mean, if you ever see your doppelganger, let me know. Because that would be really interesting. I've never seen mine. I seem to have a lot of lookalikes. A few lookalikes. At one point, people said that I look like Mario, the singer. Um, also, this past... What's it? This past weekend? Yeah, I believe it. This past weekend. I actually have a video of some guy that I think looks just like me. But he got six kids, so that's that ain't me so um yeah you are the my father and i we look exactly alike which is scary um yeah very interesting stuff so yeah that's pretty much it i enjoyed talking to you guys about this um so yeah you guys have a good one peace i need to take care of my throat though oh my god oh my god excuse me for all the coughing excuse me for all the clearing of my throat and all that stuff got this stupid little cold but yeah i'm gonna take care of that so that by the next time i do another episode i'll be back to normal and i'm all stuffy thank you for listening peace